All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Greetings from uh, the Memo Podcast. We are coming at you right now from uh, actually a new segment that we're getting started with. Um, if you are following us from the Memo, uh, you're familiar with our weekly podcast where we have myself, Richard, and Alex talking about uh, the world of sports, uh, kind of a variety topic show. Uh, this is going to be our new segment, our new podcast launching for the first time today called The Roundhouse Table. Um, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Alessandro Rafa. He uh, has been a longtime fan of the memo, friend of the show. Um, we're actually, we went to college together. So uh, this is something we had been talking about for a while, um, a UFC MMA focused podcast uh, where the two of us can kind of just share our thoughts and talk about the wild world of MMA. So Rafa, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, I know. The next step to a podcast network right now. Mm -hmm. Yep, this is our first official Memo Offshoot podcast. Um, something that, like, like we said, the two of us have been talking off the air for a while about the UFC events and news and things like that. I'm glad to finally be able to bring it to the table, the roundhouse table, that is. Table. Yep. And uh, yeah, like I said, this is our first show right now. Um, it'll be available across all streaming platforms for your podcast. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, there'll be a video attached to it. Um, basically, anywhere you want to uh, digest our content, we'll be digestible for you. Uh, but without further ado, I guess we can just get started. I know there's a lot going on in the world of UFC right now, um, MMA like the UFC a, specifically. I, I feel like the UFC has had a killer year. Mm -hmm absolutely killer year and obviously with everything going on with the pandemic it's probably worked out as good as it possibly could have gone um the fact that we're you know about to see habib gaethje this weekend like you know given everything that's going on literally a global pandemic we're about to see two of the top pound for pound fighters in the world um it's pretty crazy that they've pulled this off and Hats off to the UFC. They've they've just crushed it. Better than any other sports promotion that there is, honestly. I think they've they've done it the best. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, say what you will about Dana White and you know, not a lot of people really uh, he's a very polarizing figure. You know, yes, some people love him, some people hate him. Maybe not the best uh, businessman is from a morale standpoint, moral <laughs> standpoint. But yeah, I mean, hats off to him. You have to give him credit on this one, just being able to really take over the sports world when everything else, every other sports league was going down. Um, and let me just say for the new listeners, um, we'll kind of give you a taste of what this podcast is going to be like. I'm one of those guys who recently just really fell in love with UFC over the summer, starting in March when there was nothing else to watch. Um, UFC was still putting on events every Saturday. Um, they were still doing, um, you know, all sorts of different things. It, news was popping every week to keep you invested. So I really fell in love with the sport and I've tried as my best to, you know, catch up with the history of the sport. Um, and then we have you, Mr. Rafa, who has been a fan yeah. for, I mean, how long? I remember watching, uh, you know, UFC 100, um, you know, Brock Lesnar, one of his first forays into the octagon. So I've been a fan for a long time, but I think it's also, you know, you're starting to see a, a ton of content around it. Now the, the popularity of the sport is exploding. Um, I think Gary Vee said it's going to be one of the top five largest uh, sports globally within the next, uh, you know, 10 years. So, um, you know, it's coming on fast. A lot of new fans are, are joining up and 
we're going to be uh, hopefully educating you with some yeah. interesting takes here. Yeah, educating me a little bit too. I'm sure you'll be doing some of that. Uh, it's kind of the dynamic that we're going to be going for here. You obviously have a lot more knowledge than I do going in. Um, but I'll speak for the more casual fan, you know, in the meantime, for somebody who is new to the sport. Um, we're certainly not going to be, um, you know, an X's and O's technical podcast, breaking down specific uh, move sets and things like that. You know, uh, we're here to talk about the news and the fights as we see them. And I'm sure along the way we will have a pretty different viewpoint on some of the things uh, that we see. From, from these fighters. Um, but without further ado, we can get started on this. Um, we'll start with our prelim segment. Um, we have the prelim segment will serve to you as just a, uh, a way to touch on a bunch of different news topics that are going around the, the MMA world as they pertain to, you know, the week that we're podcasting, what's relevant in the world. Um, being that this is our first podcast, there's a couple of big news things that we wanted to touch on that might've happened, you know, two, three weeks back, uh, specifically this uh, Israel Adesanya, John Jones Twitter feud that has been circulating. Uh, it seems to pop, excuse me, seems to pop up out of nowhere and then kind of fizzle out for a little bit, but then come right back. These two just do not stop going at it. And where do you think that this goes? Or what's your thought on what we're, what we're actually seeing here and if it amounts to anything? I think, I mean, you know, first of all, they're savages, absolute savages. John Jones is kind of a weirdo. Um, and I think Izzy probably gives it back to him worse than anyone else has uh, ever done so. Um, DC, you know, obviously went after him, but DC you know, fucking hated him. Um, and the trash talk wasn't off the chain. Uh, with Izzy, I think it's going to be a definitely, you know, a different proposition. Um, but also... I look at this, this, what's going to happen with this in a couple of different ways. The first is from the business standpoint, promotion wise, um, this is about as big a fight as the UFC could put on outside of, you know, Habib, um, Connor too, uh-huh. right? Like Izzy John Jones is the fight that, you know, in the back of Dana's mind, he is seeing those dollar signs. I truly believe this is going to happen, but there's a couple of things that need to play out first. If Robert Whitaker comes out of this next uh, comes out of this fight that's coming up um, on Saturday, I don't think Izzy wants to fight him again. I think he, you know, he specifically called out Cannoneer as the next guy in line. And if Cannoneer can't get that done, I don't see Izzy wanting to to take on Whitaker again, unless they do a card in Australia or New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, which it could be huge. It seems like they could get fans out there. Um, yeah, and that they, first one was massive over there. It's one of the yeah. biggest crowds UFC ever had. Yeah, and this one, they're one of the only places that, that could have fans. So, mm-hmm. you know, personally, I don't see Izzy double-dipping and going back to a guy that he, you know, he, he put him out pretty good. It was a pretty definitive win. It's as definitive as a win as you can get. So yep. um, then I think the next move, if if Whitaker comes out of this fight on Saturday, is that's going to signal Izzy's move up to 205. Um <laughs> Jan Blahovich is going to be tough to take the title off of, right? And I don't think that you make Izzy John Jones at 205 without the title on the line. Um, so that's just another wrench thrown in there. Um, Cannoneer comes out of it. Izzy takes him next and then probably move up to 205. Whitaker comes out of it. I think if the move to 205 happens immediately and he's going to take on Blahovich, which also kind of works because the light heavyweight division um, – 
not a lot of, you know, superstars that have made their name since Jones has left the division. Uh, they're probably hurting a little bit for some star power. Um, obviously, you have Thiago Santos um, and Glover Teixeira fight coming up, which could be a number one contender fight. But, yeah, um, that's how I see that playing out. Can't wait for these two to fight. I think it's going to happen. It's just too – there's too much money on the line for it not to, not to come down. Yeah, and you mentioned that John Jones, you know, the just going back to the, the tweets specifically, what these guys are saying to one another, John Jones is, is a bit of a weirdo. I think Izzy is just as much as a weirdo. Some of the shit that he says, even leading up to the Paulo Costa fight, I mean, yeah. we talked about it off the air. I, I always viewed Izzy as kind of somebody who's just like a little cringy, a little awkward. He tries to come off as this like crazy tough guy, and, and you know, obviously he is. He's one of the, the best yeah. – fighters in the MMA right now but just the way that he comes off it just seems kind of unnatural and that's what to me was so entertaining about you know just following along on Twitter for the two of them they're going at each other's families uh Izzy's talking about uh John Jones drug history with the cocaine allegations and um Jones is obviously harping on um the the chest issue uh, Adesanya was having yeah yeah uh, so it's just funny to watch. But, yeah, I was watching um, – actually, before we started recording, I was watching a Dana White interview leading up to this weekend, UFC 254, and he was talking about how um, Izzy and John would be, you know, obviously a money-making fight. And it's something that he has repeatedly said that he's interested in pursuing. Um, so, you know, if the company's interested in it and the money's going to be there for both of these guys and they don't like each other, hopefully it seems like it's only a matter of time before something gets done there. I agree. And, you know, outside of all the, you know, cocaine and titty trash talk that's going to inevitably and outside of how big of a fight money-wise this is, in terms of legacy, John Jones has been dominating this, has been dominating the pound-for-pound rankings for a long, long time. A long, long time. And in terms of a legacy-making fight for Izzy, this is, this is, the, this is the one. Mm-hmm. If they can make this fight happen, I don't want to, you know, say quite a, what a prediction would be, but if they can make this fight happen, man, this is, it has implications when you talk about pound for pound best. Um, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that caught her eye. You bring up Coke and titties into anything and I'm, I'm, I'm invested. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. What was that? But, um, no, it, but what, what's, what I just was thinking about is, because you mentioned that the 205 title would have to be on the line for that kind of fight. Yeah. It seems like a really just bad timing for Jones to have vacated the title now because if he still had the belt and Izzy just obviously has beaten Costa, it seemed like the next fight would have just easily been a smoother transition. Izzy goes up for that, for that belt with John Jones. It kind of seems like a, almost a missed opportunity for yeah. Jones having to vacate the title at that point. It just wasn't smooth how this whole how the whole thing happened. Um, but then again, you know, nothing that happens with John Jones ever goes smoothly, um, and that must you know, be true. So, um, yeah, if they, I don't think we're anywhere close to it right now, but uh, things are going to develop very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. So, you you don't think Izzy has any interest in a Whitaker rematch? I mean, we'll get to it when we give our predictions this weekend, but. I feel like if Whitaker does get the win this on Saturday, a, a rematch is a would be a pretty big fight. You know, he wants to go for his title back. The way that he talks about the division, like if you you know the countdowns and everything, he talks about clearing out the division. He talks about wanting to fight all the tough guys, and right. 
like, let's not take anything away. He definitively finished Whitaker, ended that fight. Like, that's tough to get up in the morning and go back to that, right? You, like, you mm-hmm. ended it, right? You, you think you, you'd be moving on. Um, and him specifically calling out Cannoneer, I, I think it's interesting. Like, that fight was set up, and he's basically saying, like, dude, win that fight because I'm not trying to fight Whitaker again. Like, that's just not that, – that's at least how I took it. Um, yeah. And I don't think that's what's best for the division. Like, I want to see Izzy against everybody. You know, I want to see him against different guys. Um, and I think we saw what we needed to see from that Whitaker fight, first first go around. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, he knocked Whitaker out pretty convincingly. Um, I guess I, this is the kind of the part where my uh, novice mind comes into play, where I just feel like when you take the belt from somebody, you know, I, I, I like to see champions get a rematch. You know, maybe it's my WWE rematch clause mind coming into play. And I don't know how often it happens, but, you know, you see. Four people. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's let these guys go, you know, best of five, whatever it is. Yeah. But, no, like, when you drop a title and you're still obviously a top contender in the division, I feel like getting another crack at your belt is is, uh, is something that shouldn't be a formality, obviously, but it's I true. think it, it's interesting. It, it is interesting, and I think Whitaker's had some, such a complicated relationship with this middleweight belt in terms of mm-hmm. his title defenses uh, and who stepped up or, I guess, did not step up to the plate. Um, you know, so I, I would understand his, uh, you know, his gripe for wanting a title shot if he beats, um, if he beats Kennedy this weekend. Uh, I totally see it, but... <laughs> Again, you only get so many fights in your career, um, and we saw Izzy Whitaker, and I think Izzy wants wants something else. So then, what? Whitaker just nothing he can do can get him another title shot at middleweight. I think they're gonna offer it to Izzy, and I think Dana's gonna say, if you're gonna stay here, if you don't want to fight John Jones, if you're not gonna move up to fight okay. John Jones, then you're gonna have to fight Whitaker, and I think mm-hmm. that that puts the like I said earlier, Whitaker winning this fight on Saturday puts us this much closer to John Jones. Izzy. Right. If he doesn't, we're going to get Izzy Cannonier. Right. I'm pretty confident about that. Right, right. Yeah, Izzy has been outspoken about wanting that fight. Um, but all right, so we'll move along here to our uh, second topic of conversation. <clears throat> um, this actually came into the news yesterday. Uh, Francis Ngannou uh, came out on, on Instagram or Twitter kind of voicing his displeasure with uh, the news that came out that Stipe Miocic is planning to wait until at least March to at least get back to the negotiating table or or something where he's taking an extended period of uh, time off, which he does. He does this pretty often and uh, obviously holding up the division and Ghanu's not happy about that. Where do you think this goes? I mean, Ngannou has a legit uh, ripe – and he makes a very, very compelling case. And I don't like the, the division getting held up either. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that we we're going to talk about this, I was all for, like, let's either get something interim in the meantime. We'll have Ngannou fight maybe Jones for the title. I'm sure that that division would absolutely hate that. Yeah. Um, but then I, then I look at the rankings. And, there are a um, lot of guys that, over there. The heavyweight contenders look pretty interesting to me. Interesting, but in my opinion, there's a steep drop off after Miocic and Ganu, right? Like, yeah, the middle of the pack kind of guys. Right? Yeah, like those guys three through seven. 
I feel like are all in the same, you know, Overeem is trying to make his comeback. Jarzinho we've seen get knocked out this year. Uh, JDS is not who he used to be. Volkov's got a fight this weekend, but it's against Walt Harris. I don't know if that vaults you into the elite conversation. So right now, as it stands, heavyweight has got, and there's Curtis Blades too, but again, yeah, what do you I don't do know with how- Blades and Lewis? I think they both have, you know, legitimate claims to um, to being at the top. But I just think, you know, talent-wise, there's a significant drop-off after Ngannou. Um, I don't know why you would want to fight anyone else but Miocic at this time. And Miocic is hope- holding up the division. I guess the only thing for Ngannou to do is to call for him, Miocic, to strip the title or to get an interim uh-huh. fight in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got a legit gripe. Like you have a time limit on your career. Like you want to be fighting as often as possible. You want to be making money. Like this is about him making money too. Um, so yeah. I mean, did did Miocic say he wants to fight in March? Because he just he did just fight. What was it in August? I mean, I feel like August yeah. to March is not that big of a layoff. It's not that big of a layoff. Especially five rounds with Cormier. Like yeah. But Nganu, like he said, has spent, like, what is it, less than two minutes in the octagon yeah. in the past couple two of years? years. Like you know, and it, first of all, it's his fault. I don't know what he's crying about because it's his fault. <laughs> he, yeah. That's the reason you're in there for two seconds yeah. is because you're a gorilla and you're swinging <laughs> like it. Yeah, don't take someone's um, head off in the first 15 seconds if you want to go longer. Just walk around the cage for the first round. That's it. They're not going <laughs> to. I don't know. Up, so. If I were if I were in Ghana, I would understandably be upset about it. But I think his best course of action is just to wait for Stipe, however long it's going to take. Because, I mean, if for what you're saying, talk about you know, fighting for an interim belt in the meantime. We saw Tony Ferguson just do that. He had a fight with Khabib lined up, took on Gaethje for the interim, and then lost his title opportunity. So if Ngannou is yeah. going to go fight Curtis Blades or Derek Lewis or someone at the top, he has an opportunity to, to lose that, and then he falls back into the pack. So if I am, I'm just waiting it out. Yeah, I get the desire to want to be active. Like, I get the desire to want to be active. Um, but if what Ortega did against Zombie says anything for Ring Rust, then uh, <laughs> God was going to be just fine waiting it right. out a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think, obviously, you know, Dana has said that that's the fight. Uh, Ngannou is the number one contender. Um, it seems yeah. that it's going to happen. Stipe's next title defense. Um, yeah, well, what's with Stipe saying that if Brock comes back, that he wants that fight? Like, I get it's all about money, but <laughs> that's that's not. I think he's a little bit. I, I don't think he wants to see Ngannou. I know. And I know he beat him the first time. He beat him pretty convincingly. So it's yeah. also maybe he's thinking, why do I have to fight him again? It's the same thing with Whitaker and Izzy. He beat him. Yeah. Throwing Brock into a title fight at this point, yeah, it would be just, uh, you know, you're disrespecting the belt at that point. Um, I can see everyone hating that. I know, obviously, Stipe is looking out for his wallet. Uh, and he's yeah. not buying that interview, but. Yeah, I'd like to see Brock, you know, in a fight, maybe, but not for the title. I'd love to see Brock and John Jones. I would love to see that oh, fight man. because it would be a brutal, brutal beatdown. All of Brock's fights are just mayhem from the start. He just goes yeah. for it. Yeah. He's, Which, he looks like a Pokemon in there. Just, 
just hashing buttons, not <laughs> exactly. He just goes for it, and I respect that. I fuck with that. It makes it for an entertaining fight. It made sense against a forty-something-year-old Randy Couture, but it's probably not gonna work against no. no matter how much coke he did the night before. <laughs> you so you would take John Jones in that fight without question. Doesn't Lesnar look? I mean, Lesnar looks like he has like forty pounds on Jones. I mean, how how big is John Jones? He could have a million pounds on Jones. <laughs> it's not gonna. It's not gonna help out. The guys had like gastroenteritis, diverticulitis, whatever. Diverticulitis, yeah. It's not. It's just not. Not built for that. It's not built for that. If yeah. there's no script, he's not gonna do well. <laughs> That's understood. Yeah, he needs Paul Heyman by his side. <clears throat> Okay, so now we'll go to our last uh, topic on the prelims here before we get into our main card. Uh, this is uh, also looks like another fight that's in the works and it's probably going to happen. Um, <clears throat> seems like the UFC has picked a date for uh, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, again, I keep referencing the interview that I just watched with Dana White. He said that they created the date. It wasn't a scheduled pay-per-view. Uh, January 23rd, I believe it was. Yep. So they, they spoke to ESPN about it. They're able yep. to get that. Um, so it looks like that's going to happen, and uh, which I, I'm excited for. I, I think that that's definitely going to be an entertaining fight. Yeah, I'm excited for the fight. I'm also – I very much enjoy the constant um, back and forth between Connor and the UFC. Like, it's never – it's always, like – one-upping each other it's always like i'll give you this but you give me this and like you know i think connor obviously connor knows the kind of business that he he brings to the table uh for the ufc and he just likes to hold that over dana i think um and i think yeah. dana fucking hates that um interesting he so, hates it but he knows that connor's right at the end of the day there's no there gonna <laughs> make the fight the second connor starts talking about fighting like outside wants to do a charity boxing <laughs> stuff, that's not happening you're gonna do it in the octagon you're gonna do it like, yeah it's gonna happen. a sparring event that's, that's what he wanted to do yeah but connor knew he knew that that's what would bring ufc to the table i mean just start talking bullshit about doing your own thing there's no way that the ufc was ever gonna let that happen no and when when you're that when you get that big like you just feel like you can ask for anything and i think that's what he was doing what i think is the question here is um what it's going to set up right like if you're trying to set up um connor habib too which i do think when we talk about like if dana's got his his whiteboard and he's setting up his money fights. That's the second one. Not that it would be any different than the first time through, mm -hmm. but just in terms of, you know, what it's going to bring to the table with dollars, you want to make that fight. Right. So what Habib was saying this week was if it's not going to happen at 155, then why am I giving either one of these guys to, of course, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think they're going to push to have 165, 170. Um, I think Dana today said that it has to be at 155. So this is going to be another sticking point of contention. Poor Dustin is just like <laughs> and trying to fight. Yeah, Dustin's just along for this ride now. He's right in the middle of Connor versus the UFC. But why wouldn't it be at 155? What is the problem there? They're, they're in the lightweight division. Connor. Why? I don't <laughs> It's he just what he, it's it's just another thing for him to to call out and hold over hold over Dana's head. 
Uh, I agree with you. It's got to happen at 155. If it's going to be a title eliminator, I don't think it should. I don't think it should. Um, you don't think it should what? Be a title eliminator? I don't think it should be a title eliminator because I don't think if we're following Khabib's like plan, which is to end at 30, you know, he's got to get through Gaethje, which we'll talk about what that's going to mean later on in the show. But um, you know, let's say he comes out of this last fight with of this fight with Gaethje. I think for that 30, you know, fight, he's going to want GSP. And I think the idea has been floated around too much in front of him. And it's too much of a, this is literally the greatest fight you can, you can make. Mm-hmm. Why would he want to end his career with two guys that he ran through? Yeah. Ran through. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, listen, if Poirier beats McGregor, there's no way Khabib's 30th fight, his retirement fight, is going to be against Dustin Poirier. We saw that last, two, was it last year. I mean, Can it you was... imagine Dustin Khabib 2 as the <laughs> final? Yeah, I mean, come on. And I love Dustin Poirier. He's one of my favorite fighters. But, I mean, that's just not going to happen. If Connor does win, I think that you could maybe be able to get Khabib to, get, to agree to that even though what we've seen on, you know, first take the other day, Khabib has no uh, appetite for Conor McGregor talk at all. And I don't blame him, but I I guess it just seems, so this is going to be a fight Conor versus Poirier that ultimately means nothing for, for whatever they're doing it. It's just for, to fight each other. We're going to find out more on Saturday because the winner of that fight is going to determine, like, let's say Gaethje comes out. Of oh, that's that's int- that's a good point. Say Gaethje comes out of Saturday. Um, Gaethje's got a loss to Dustin um, that he can make up. Gaethje mm-hmm. Connor, I'm up for that. Mm-hmm. I'm up for that fight a hundred percent. I don't know if that's a good matchup for Connor, but I'm up for that fight a hundred percent. But that um, also begs the question: we We're talking about rematches. If Gaethje wins, you don't think they're going to line up Khabib Gaethje too? You're right. You're right. He's got to be entitled to a rematch. Yeah, but he might walk away. He might walk away. He might walk away. If he does, if he gets that loss, maybe let's, he does. Let's say or maybe that, he still just wants the GSP fight just for a retirement fight. Maybe, maybe. Let's talk, let's let's get into it later on when we talk about the main mm-hmm. card. Fair enough. Okay. So yeah, Connor Poirier. I think we're you know we're both interested in seeing that happen. What the implications are are to be determined. But I think that that would be a very good fight. It's fun. For sure. Okay, so now we can get into our main card here. Uh, we'll go into the co-main. I know that we had spoken about this uh, off the air again after UFC Fight Night, Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. Um, yeah. I mean, the card itself was kind of, you know, that was the fight of the night, obviously, what everybody was tuning in for, so we can get right into that. Unless, yeah. did you have anything else to say about some of the other fights or – I think I mean the most notable thing outside of um, outside of Korean Zombie Ortega was Andrade winning her fight against Shukagin, um and what that does for that you know the flyweight title. I, I think Shevchenko should fight Maya, and then Andrade should get the next uh, next shot in there. Um, mm-hmm. You're trying to make the best fights. You're trying to make money fights, and and that's the one. Um, and you're also trying to challenge um, Shevchenko and Andrade's the best challenge that Shoshanko could have. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's what I think with the main storyline outside of the main event was. Um, but let's talk about, you know, it's yeah. been a, well, real, been a... So just real quick then, because um, 
Shevchenko versus Maya is, is booked for UFC 255. Yeah. So would Coming you up. just – yeah, that's the next, the next pay-per-view after this weekend. So you're saying you would, you would assume or you would – if you had it your way, you'd put Andrade against the winner of that fight. You think she's next in line or would she have to fight someone else one more time? I'm sure friend of the of the Twitter, uh, Lauren Murphy, will have something to say about that. <laughs> Shout out Lauren Murphy, our first uh, our first fan this weekend. Yeah, um, she's got a tough fight this weekend too. But um, mm-hmm. no, I I mean it's got to be Andrade. You're trying to make stars in that division. There's not a lot of stars um, in that division, and Andrade is one of them. Um, and also just like super compelling fight. Like she's a she's a monster. She's a beast. She's a beast. <laughs> Did she move up and wait for that fight on on Saturday? She moved up and wait, and she looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because I remember she, uh, her and Rose fought a couple months back, and that was a great fight. You know, Rose won, but it looked like Andrade did. She won the third round, and she seemed like she really put a beating on Rose. Look at her face after the fight. Yeah. But, yeah. is coming off of the fight with Shevchenko. Like, she, you know, she just had her bout at the top, and Andrade came in there and – It was a weird finish. A bit, you don't see that very often. A, a fire body shot. Away and, like, you know, literally saying ow in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what did she catch her just right? What was it, like a spleen shot or something? Like, what? Yeah, it had to be, it had to be uh, crack ribs or spleen or liver or something like some, that. Some what? sort of organ got a little fucked yeah. up there. Yeah. And but, she got that kind of power. So uh-huh. it's translated yeah. well. And, um, yeah, I think Andrade should be up next uh, for the winner of Shevchenko Maya, which no disrespect to Maya, the way Shevchenko's running through that oh, division. Yeah. It's, a, it's an appealing matchup. Right. So, uh, but yeah, then and then we head on to the main event, Ortega versus Zombie. I know we disagreed here, um, but I, you know, we both took Korean Zombie to win the fight. I my post-fight opinion. Uh, was a little bit dis- – I was very down on the Korean zombie, but I did think he yeah. was going to win the fight. Um, I lost a, a nice chunk of change on him there. Thank you. Did. Yeah. But listen, and, and everybody what, – what my takeaway was this is everybody wanted to talk about the Korean zombie side of it, right, how he didn't, he didn't fight very well, he didn't look yeah. good. Yeah. My takeaway was Brian Ortega looked fucking legit. And he looked like two years off, whatever. He did not skip a beat. He looks like the best he's ever looked. He looked, he looked the best he's ever looked. And that's exactly, that's exactly it. He looked the best he's ever looked. Everything coming into that fight was telling us that we were talking about a fighter who has incredible finishing ability, you know, made it to the top of the top and made it to a featherweight title fight. But in pretty much all his fights, he had to put on him, especially in the stand-up. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that was that would move forward, was hittable, <laughs> was definitely hittable, got the shit kicked out of him, and found a way to to win those fights. Um, now Max Holloway, the only reason um, you know the doctor saved Ortega's life because Max was just beating the living crap out of it. So anyway, that's what we're mm-hmm. coming into this fight with the mindset of like we've just looked at this guy who has a lot of work to do, but is an incredible finisher. And now he goes away for two years. And everything coming into the fight was giving me the feeling like, you know, he shaved his head. He talks about him being a new man, working with a new team. Um, and the ring rust for two years, it just, it was such a tall order for him to win that fight. And he looked incredible doing it. But, but I think Zombie made him look, made him look uh, better than, 
better than he might be because man, why what ha- what what happened with zombie in this fight what was he doing wrong or where did that come from it wasn't i he was looking at him to to hit him on the counter right um and brian wasn't knowing coming into the fight knowing the kind of fighter that brian was um zombie strategy was the right strategy he was staying on the outside ortega if you're going off of the you know the tape in the past he's gonna get aggressive he's gonna come in and zombie has the kind of power to you know turn a mistake into uh you know his hand getting raised (laughs) but brian wasn't fighting like that um brian wasn't fighting like that and i think there was a failure to make some adjustments um and i don't know what it is you know, he said after the fight that he didn't remember the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. That obviously got to be um, coming off of that elbow that he took, because he took a huge spinning Ooh. elbow. Um, but I'm disappointing in it, and I I think we have a fair, uh, you know, reason to be disappointed. Looking at all the performance of the night's bonuses between these two guys, I thought we were going to see a war. Mm-hmm. And the new and improved Ortega took that away from us. Yeah, it turned out to be very one-sided. And like you mentioned, the lack of adjustments was something that like stood out to me. He, yeah. Zombie's game plan was just move forward, move forward the whole time. And as he was kept getting, he kept getting caught when he was moving forward. And yeah. there was no plan B. You know, he just he had nothing else to give Ortega. He, he fought the exact same height for 25 minutes, um, mm-hmm. and it was a huge disappointment. And I'm a big fan of Zombie. Um, but that fight, you know, he just didn't come into – it just felt from the start, you know, his energy wasn't uh, wasn't the right energy. Um, but props to Ortega, man. Yeah. He looked like something something else. Um, and I think he'll have a good fight with Volkanovski. Um, is that what you're calling for? Is that what you think is up next? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't uh, – I think it's tough to ask the champ – to um, have a third fight with Max, regardless of who you thought won that last fight. Like, I think, it, you know, Volkanovski has every right to say, I want to fight somebody else. And mm-hmm. if he's going to fight somebody else, you know, it's got to be Ortega. Um, Zabit, <clears throat> I hear, like, I don't know when when that's happening. Um, that's, that's a shame happening. with that fight. But that fight is you know, another one. But mm-hmm. to, so, to, go ahead. So I, I guess it goes back to you want your, your champions to be active. So Volkanovski probably wants to get back in there. He doesn't want to wait around too long. But what would you think? Do you have the, you know, does uh, an Ortega-Max rematch do anything for you? Because you, if, if Max is going to get another shot at Volkanovski, you would assume he has to at least get another win, you know, and propel himself back up there. Yeah. So you think Ortega just goes right over Max for a title shot, or would he have to go through Max? No, I think he goes right over on the, on the um, you know, I guess merit is probably the wrong word, but on the active champion rule, right? Volkanovski wants to fight it. I think he has every right to defend his belt. He doesn't want to do it against Max again. And I don't think Dana necessarily wants, I don't know what those, those numbers did. I know Volkanovski Holloway has been attached to a couple of big papers. Yeah, they were on Usman and Masvidal. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> They've been attached to that pay-per-view, but I don't know if they would have headlined how that would have done um, outside of the hardcore. Volkanovski has not been that big of a draw um, as featherweight champion. Um, but yeah, I think he has a right to fight someone outside of Max after getting two consecutive wins over the guy. Uh, at least on the judges' scorecards. Um, I think Ortega is going to be the next guy. And I think that's a super interesting fight, too. Um, you know, Volkanovski is known to sort of get up in your face, put you on the floor, and beat you up. And do you want to do that with uh, Ortega, a Henry Gracie, uh, BJJ, you know, master? Um, I don't yeah. think you do. 
Uh, and given the way Ortega's stand-up has progressed, um, that should be a fun fight. I, I mm-hmm. think I think it's going to be a great fight, and I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I'm sure Volkanovski, like you said, would, would be into that too, a fresh matchup, um, you know, a real – another chance to defend his title in the division uh, yeah. aside from Max Holloway. But where do you – where would that leave uh, the Korean Zombie? I mean, I would say – put Max and, and zombie together. Why not? See what, see what that's got. That, that could be an interesting fight. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I think uh, zombie Calvin Cater would also be a fun, mm-hmm. uh, a fun match. If you want to kind of, you know, shoot Calvin up the rankings. Um, yeah. He's, he's looked good his past two fights. He has. And I really like Calvin Cater. I think he's got the best, okay. some of the best boxing uh, in that division outside of, of Max. Um, but I think if we're looking ahead for the featherweight picture, Zabit Yair, we have to figure out what's going on with those guys because they're most likely um, most likely next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and <clears throat> you know, it seems like with, with Zabit specifically, um, he's having a tough time finding fights or, or getting through to the actual – I don't want to fight him. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want to fight him either. I would definitely think that he's uh, right now looking like the scariest guy in the division, but – Again, I think this Yair fight has been canceled twice now. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where what ends up happening. Yair was getting it put on him by Zombie before he hit that Hail Mary elbow. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's let, – let's see what happens with Ortega Volkanovski. It's going to be a fun fight. Um, I'm pumped for that. Probably happens, you know, sometime early next year. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Listen, I think that's one of the most interesting divisions in the UFC right now. I mean, with all those guys that we're mentioning, you know, they all have um, a, a claim to a title shot. They all have the opportunity. I think that they'd all be competitive, you know, mixing and matching with one another. Um, it, it, there's a lot to like about the uh, the featherweight division right now. Yeah, and that division, bantamweight being as strong as it is, you know, guys can move up and down. Lightweight being as strong as it is, guys can move up and down. We just saw Edson you know, drop into featherweight and throw his hat into that ring, you know, that bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight, uh, those divisions, they're, they're fun, man. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of movement across them. Uh, a lot of great fights to make. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we'll be keeping our eye on that, but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is, it is time. Crack a can for this one. Sit back and enjoy. It is time for the main event here. Um, yep. this Saturday, 2 PM Eastern time your main card for UFC 254 gets underway. And giving, uh, giving Khabib prime time in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. And rightfully so. You yeah. Know. He's a star. Oh, yeah. He's the biggest star out there. How do you feel about a 2 p.m. start time? You like it or would you rather it later? I'm excited. Um, I'm excited. I don't know what the rest of the day is going to be like afterwards. I'm a little, <laughs> you know, I don't know what comes next. <laughs> yeah. You're so jacked up on adrenaline after the fight yeah. and it's only 5 o'clock. But, now what? Yeah, you get to wake up. You don't have to wait that long to see, you know, uh, uh, the, highly the fights. So it's it's fun. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, if you're like me, uh, you'll probably wake up 12, 30, 1 o'clock on Saturday and you just turn the TV on to the prelims. And that's great. That's okay. great news. Go right over and there you go. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, this is a great card. Uh, I'm very excited for this. Um, we can get right into it. We're going to be giving some predictions here. Um, this will be a running thing that we do each, each week when there's a big pay-per-view coming up or a fight night that we choose that we want to pick, we can, uh, give our picks. We'll keep records. We'll, you know, make some, get some fun stuff going on. We're going to throw the lines in there too, right? 
Yes, I did. I, I made sure to write down the lines. I'll let you know. Um, I'll pick some fights. Definitely won't bet all of them, but some fights we will be betting. I will be betting all of them. I'm lying to you. That's but, cool. uh, yeah, we'll jump right into it. These are, uh, these are the main card fights, uh, the pay-per-view event. Uh, we'll start it off. Magomed Ankalov. Am I saying that correctly? I didn't practice my uh, – yeah. yeah. Okay. Magomed Ankalov versus Ion Kutilaba. Kutalaba Ankalev. Um, yeah, this is interesting too because this is a rematch of their first fight, which ended very controversially. Uh, Kutalaba is a bit of a character. He is. Uh, <laughs> they call him Hulk. Um, yeah. He gets in there. He likes to smash. Super entertaining fighter, um, and is you know fought fought some some tough guys. Uh, fought Glover Teixeira, I believe. Um, we can maybe fact check that. I don't know why that came to my brain. <laughs> Fight him. <laughs> I'll take a look. Keep going. I'll take a look. But Kutalaba <laughs> is, uh, you know, he's an exciting fighter. The way that last fight ended was just, it's traumatic how ridiculous that was. Um, a, lo- a, a little bit on the, the ref, uh, because I think it was pretty obvious from watching the broadcast that Kutalaba was messing around a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, you know, that's what you get. You, you, like Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't be fucking around like that. And that wasn't – I'm almost positive his coaches weren't game-planning that. Uh, oh. That was all on the off-the-cuff Kutalaba being uh, the angry mm-hmm. animal that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ankalev has uh, some serious potential in this division that we talked about is sort of crying out for stars. Um, I think that he's the better fighter. I think that for uh, Kutalaba to win this fight, he's got to make it emotional, and I think – uh, you know, those Eastern European guys are able to get a, a good handle on their emotions. I think he's going to go in there and smart a smart fight. Um, and Ankalev is, is my pick. Okay. Um, yeah, so real quick, um, Kutalaba, he did fight Glover Teixeira. He lost. He, uh, he got choked out with a rear naked choke. Yep, um, that was last year. Um, he also fought Jared Cannonier on The Ultimate Fighter. Back in 2016, he lost that one as well. It did win fight of the night. Just went to decision. He's a fun guy, but yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's what kind of has me intrigued here. You know, I, I buy into guys like that. They had they show a little character, they show a little personality. You know, this guy Kutalaba, he uh, they call him the Hulk. He actually, and you, I'm sure you saw one of the weigh-ins. He was fully painted in green. Yeah, dressed like the Hulk. He likes to scream in people's faces at the weigh-ins. He just seems to be Absolutely. all over the place. But I I hope that this is the case, and I feel like this might be a better mindset for him coming into the second fight, knowing how he, he obviously fucked up in the first fight, being a little too careful, to being a little too reckless. Uh, I think he's going to come into this fight a little bit more tamed, a little bit more uh, mentally prepared, uh, keep, it, keep it a little closer to the vest, you know, and just be about that action. You know, you want to just get in there. You want to fight. This now has been a fight that has also been canceled twice. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it's 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 honestly a very anticipated fight at this point, and I'm interested to see what Kutalaba brings to the table. Um, and I'm just I'm going to take him. I'm going to take uh, Kutalaba here by knockout. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go by knockout. Um, listen, I'm what's bought in. On, what's the odds on the Kutalaba? Oh, true, true, true. Yes. So right now the betting lines here you have Ankalaev is minus three hundred five, Kutalaba is a plus two forty five underdog. He's a live dog. Okay? Right. He's a live yeah. dog. He's a live he, dog. He's a live dog, and, I, and I'm going to take it there because I like me a good underdog story. 
Um, Ankalaev is very dangerous. You know, the, those guys, you don't want to mess with those guys. But no. <laughs> no. And, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I'm going to pick Ankalaev, but um, I do think uh, if Kutalaba gets the victory, that post-fight celebration oh, is yeah. going to be one to watch, no doubt. Absolutely. Um, all right, so now we'll move right along here to the second fight. Um, and this is uh, a last-minute change here in the, in the women's flyweight division. You have number four-ranked Lauren Murphy, originally scheduled to fight Cynthia Cavillo, uh, who yeah. had to pull out of the bout due to a positive COVID test. So now she'll be – a, a crazy fight. Yeah, yeah, I was looking forward to that. But now we have uh, Murphy is going up against Lilia Shakarova. Yeah. Who's making her UFC debut? Yeah. What do you What do you think here? Um, I don't know much about Shakarova. Obviously, you know Lauren Murphy, friend of the Roundhouse Table. Uh, love you. You know, yep. definitely going to be here. I'm nervous. <laughs> I, I am nervous. Um, these These uh, you know debuting fighters have have put on a show recently, um, especially you know like a Gamrot and a Kuta Taladze, um, you know, the people that the UFC are bringing in are, are legit. Um, I don't think it's going to be as easy as, um, you know, most people are anticipating. I don't know what the line says, if you want to give the line. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. The line is a little interesting for someone making their debut against the number fourth ranked women's flyweight. Yeah. Um, Lauren Murphy is minus 245 and uh, Shakarova is plus 195. Yeah, so I think you know she's she's a live dog for sure, um, but can't bet can't bet against Murphy. Um, you know the way that she was engaging on Twitter after people were trying to give Andrade the uh, the um, title shot right after Maya. Um, she clearly is locked into getting to the top, um, and I think she's you know she's a beast, uh, and I would like to see her work her way up. So I'm gonna go Murphy here. I'm gonna root for the the home team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so this is interesting. And again, like you said, I don't know much about Shakarova making her debut. I've tried to do a little bit of research um, about her, her fight history. Uh, the both of these fighters are on a three-fight win streak. Obviously, Murphy's has been in the UFC. Shakarova's outside of it. But um, Shakarova's actually, she's pretty good at uh, the ground and pound. You know, she likes to take people to the mat, um, wrestle with them a little bit, but really use some ground and pound technique. And you know, Murphy is, I think she's well-rounded enough to be able to deal with that and, and try to, you know, keep it upright as, as much as she can. Um, so I'm with you here. I'm going to take Murphy also. It seems like she's just very uh, determined at this point. She sees a clear path to, you know, get a title shot, whether that's going through Andrade after a win tonight, a yeah. uh, win, on, win on Saturday, or jumping over her, whatever it is. She knows what she's looking for. So, yeah, I think we're in agreement there. I'm going to take Murphy as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe she'll shout us out in the post-game mm-hmm. speech. Who knows? We're, we've been supporting for the past yeah. three or four days. So. Lauren, we are here for you, Lauren. Come take a seat at the table. You're always welcome. We'll send you some, some of the merch that is not yet. <laughs> merch is on the way, though. Merch we'll get the Lauren Murphy will be our first ambassador. Let's go. <clears throat> okay. Now we're moving on to the meat of the card here. we yep. got some big-time ranked fighters going up against each other. Uh, the heavyweight battle, we have Alexander Volkov, currently ranked number sixth, against Walt Harris, number eight. Uh, and give the lines real quick. This is 
Volkov is a slight favorite at minus 190. Walt Harris sitting at a plus 150. Um, a lot you, of close matchups on this card. There are a lot of cl- close matchups. Did you know that Saturday is the one-year anniversary of the abduction of Walt Harris's daughter? Really? Yes. So I did not know that. That is just incredibly tough, man. It's incredibly tough, and I think we saw it in Walt Harris's last fight. Um, said all the right things coming into the fight, obviously dealing with a super difficult situation, uh, and it does not get any easier. Um, Volkov mm-hmm. is legit, and he's been legit for a very, very long time. Um, yeah, you know, I think Walt Harris has got some great wrestling, uh, but when I look at the, the records and sort of, you know, who's, who they've matched up with in the division – um, Volkov is, is only lost to the very top. Um, he lost to Curtis. He lost to Derek Lewis. And we know Derek Lewis, the black beast is, uh, you know, he's a monster. So, yeah. um, I'm leading Volkov here. I think, you know, again, Walt is probably, uh, the dog in this one for the lines. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm leading Volkov just off of, you know, strength of schedule right now. Uh, and also, I don't know what the hell is going to be going through Walt's mind. Um, as much as you root for him as a, as a person, um, it, you know, it's inevitable that that's going to be a difficult situation as a fighter to step into the cage, mm-hmm. into the cage like that. You need to have the right energy, um, be in the right mental space. And uh, he's, he's dealing with a lot of stuff that Volkov doesn't have to worry about <laughs> getting in there and looking at get a win. So I'm going to go Volkov. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Harris definitely has a lot of weight that he's bringing into the, the fight, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot on his shoulders, a lot on his mind. Our hearts go out to him for what he has been going through. And Walt Harris's last fight against Overeem, his, his first fight since, um, you know, everything that had, had happened, he came out looking great. You know, it looked like it was going to be a, uh, a really nice moment for him. Um, he came out, he almost finished Overeem in the first round. Um, looked like he kind of just started to run out of gas a little bit towards the end. And, and he, he overpunched, you know, he outpunched himself and then Overeem came back and got the finish. Um, and it was a nice moment by the Overeem there to, you know, sit next to him, console and think all of that, yeah. put his arm around yeah. him. Yep. Yeah. It, it was nice to see, but <clears throat> what concerns me with Harris is that he, you know, he does get burned out like that trying to go a little bit, too much for the knockout and the way that we saw Volkov in his last fight, although he did kind of get, you know, dominated by blades just from a control standpoint. I mean, the fight was boring, but Volkov never really got anything going, but he did survive for five rounds and, you know, his motor has been proven to be, you know, up there with, with the heavyweights in terms of, you know, ability to go long into fights. And I don't know if Harris can do that. Yeah. You, are you picking the finish on this one? I, I, I feel like – all right, so I'm going to hedge my bet a little bit here because this is something that I might actually take. I feel like it's either going to be – if Walt Harris wins, it's going to be by knockout. Uh, yeah, agreed. Right? And then if Falkov wins, I feel like it's going to be a decision because it's only a three-round fight. So I agree. You know, Harris should be able to withstand that. Um. I agree. On the feet, I think Volkov um, is the superior striker, and I think that um, you know if he can stay, if he can stay there, he can pinpoint his way to a decision to a decision victory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
it's going to be an interesting fight. I think it's uh, the number seven fighter, rank fighter versus the number 10. You know, this is, this is a, a legit heavyweight contest. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of them's going to shoot up the rankings with a win here. So that's, sure. that's, what they, that's what they want. But so you're taking Volkov. Let's yeah. make things a little interesting here. I'll go with my second underdog of the night. I'm going to take the big ticket, Walt yeah. Harris. Yeah. I think he's going to knock him out in the first round. Okay. We're giving, right. we're giving results here. We're giving finishes. That's well, what we cool. do. That's what, that's what we do here at the roundhouse yeah. table. Yeah. We're not afraid to put our, uh, no. put our balls on the table. <laughs> our little notes reputations on the line. Yeah. Go for gold. <laughs> All right. But it's too good of a story. You know, Walt Harris, I can't root against that guy. You know, it's hard to. It's yeah. definitely hard to. If you're rooting against them, you're, you know, it's probably more about you. Than right. Him. right, right, right. And it's I don't want to, you know. Active, I'm not an active. I'm not rooting against Walt Harris, the person. I hope he loses his fight on Saturday. That's it. Yeah, some might be a little upset with that. But moving on, um, we'll go on to the, main, the co-main event of the night. And I'll be honest with you. I'm pumped about this fight. This is the fight that I'm looking forward to the most on the card. No, it's not. Yes, it is. From a ter- from, and we'll get to the main event in a second, but in terms of a competitive fight, I feel like we are in for a treat here. And yeah. it's going to be an absolute war. So let's get right to it. We have uh, in the middleweight division, number one ranked Robert Whitaker going up against the number three ranked Jared Cannonier. Uh this is a little bit surprising to me, and we can go into this quick before you uh, we give our picks. Cannoneer is a slight favorite at minus 120, and Whitaker is minus 110. That line has moved. Um, this has is, it? Yeah, this was within the past day that this happened. Um, that, that line, there's been some action, obviously, um, and that line's all movement today. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't think that Cannoneer, you know, like, if, if I'm going to pick this fight, it's going to be like a coin flip. But I feel going into it, I would expect Whitaker to be a slight favorite. And I was surprised to see him being an underdog. He is the, the former champion in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cannoneer, you know, he's fought Anderson Silva, but not the Anderson Silva, right? He fought right. a form of Anderson yeah. Silva. Um, Everybody's been putting a Silva win on their resume of late. Exactly. <laughs> All the next big thing are taking on Silva. You know, Anderson's a super tough dude, but – um he's not Whitaker that's for sure um so I am yeah I'm definitely surprised that the line move uh to Cannoneer being a favorite um should I go ahead and dive into my my fight analysis here yeah yeah let's hear it see what you got so um I was feeling Whitaker for a little bit uh and then I watched that countdown episode and um Cannoneer's like spiritual fucking energy these crystals that he's got going on yeah. today. He said that he was a, he was a God in flesh form um, and that he's going to, his spirit's going to go away to the cosmos. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> a man who is physically and mentally on a completely different level than anything that I've ever seen. Um, he's obviously, you know, moved down from heavyweight all the way to mi- middleweight. I think that says something for his level of commitment to his craft. Um, you know, the middleweight sort of bottom limit is, is 205, right? So he, he was a, you know, a, a lighter heavyweight, um, but he moved down two divisions. People sometimes move up two divisions, but moving down two divisions, that, that takes a lot of commitment, a lot of hard work. Uh, that countdown episode also had him training with like some strobe light 
stuff that's like he's just he's trying. a he's an out there kind of guy he's a unique fellow yeah um, did you see him say that he wanted to win the title and defend it 16 times yeah what, what's the 16 number about i don't know where he got that from but that's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen <laughs> but i love the ambition um, I, that's what i want from my fighters entering the cage and ultimately all jokes aside um you know what really kind of flipped me was watching Whitaker with his kids. Um, he pulled out of a fight, you know, <clears throat> earlier for due to burnout. Um, Whitaker was on top of the world. Um, he got that taken away from him with Adesanya. He bounced back with a nice performance against Till. I think we've all kind of seen, you know, Till's uh, weaknesses, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially for a level, the level of fighter that Whitaker is to expose that, you know, not too surprising, but I do think Whitaker is on the way out. Uh, we've seen it with like Cain Velasquez once he lost his title, Junior DeSantos once once he lost his title. Um, it's hard to get back to that, you know, it's hard to get back mentally from something like that. Um, and I think Cannoneer is on a different trajectory. So I'm going to go Cannoneer. Um, it, it's been favorites all night, but I didn't know yeah. the line was going to move. In yeah. But I'm going to go Jared on this one. I think he takes it okay. inside the distance. Okay, so we're definitely uh, apart on a lot of these picks here. Um, Good. I'm going to take Robert Whitaker, and I mean, look, I get, I get what you're saying about Whitaker being on his way out because he's been fighting so often, and yep. he's been around for a long time. Yep. But he's 29 years old, and Jerry Cannonier is 36. You know, for somebody who is seven years younger. And I, I looked it up. He had Whitaker has ten more professional fights under his belt yeah. than Cannoneer. Uh, so I I kind of feel like Whit- Whitaker, you know, while he obviously had his 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 climax, his peak when he won the title, he was on top of the world. Now he's fallen down a little bit, but I don't think that he's like I don't think his tank's empty. I think that at 29 years old, you could argue he's still in the prime of his career. I know he has a lot of mileage on him. But after that win that he had against Till a couple months back, he looked very good. He won in convincing fashion. I think we could all agree that he really took it to Till. Um, got the decision victory. But I just see Whitaker as a guy who, despite his age, has so much more experience going deeper into fights than Cannoneer. Um, this is a three-round fight, right, at the Comain? This is a three-rounder, yep. This is a three-round fight? Okay. So that does kind of that, – that helps out Cannoneer a little bit. But uh, Cannoneer's last three fights have all gone less than six minutes. Um, he's won by knockout yeah. in all three. And we were talking about this off the air today. Whitaker can take a fucking punch. You know, those, those fights against Yoel Romero were fucking – they were wars. Yeah. And he – that second fight specifically against Romero, he really got his ass kicked a couple times, a couple rounds there. Yeah. Um, so he but, doesn't – you know, he's he's taken it. He's taken some shots on the chin from some big guys, and he's been slept in his last fight. I hear what you're yeah. saying, um, and I hear the age difference. I think in terms of fight years, um, you know, Whitaker is probably older than that. Twenty nine suggests. Yeah. Um, That's fair. And yeah, like you said, Cannonier, you know, average of six minutes, or he's finished his fights under six minutes. He's he's talked about. Um, you know, this being a three rounder and him wanting to get off fast, right. He, he's, he's mm-hmm. talked about wanting to put it on Whitaker from the beginning. Um, 
you know, I think Cannonier is going to come out of it, but I do think Whitaker is very, very much in this fight. Uh, and I think that if, if he can weather that early storm, which not a lot of people have been able to do, uh, then you're in, a, you're in a better spot with the pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that Whitaker is one of those guys who is very capable of being able to weather an early storm. You know, he's done it before. I think he's able to, like, keep distance well. But he likes to use his leg kicks, uh, make guys uncomfortable in there. And like I said, I'm, I'm looking most forward to this match. I think it's going to be the most competitive match on the card, and it could really go either way. But I'm just going to fall back on Whitaker's experience and his, like, you know, his championship, you know, experience, I guess, is, is really what it comes down to for me. And uh, – yep. I, he's one of my favorite fighters, Whitaker. Like, I, I've, I love this guy. I love his mindset. I love his attitude. And just the way he fights is very entertaining. So I'm pulling for him to win, and I'm going to take him here. All right. So let's, let's go with our first uh, little side bet action of the, of yeah. the year here. Um, You're already down Kennedy 50. Wins. We've had some side bet action. Yeah. Kennedy <laughs> wins. Uh, you buy um, crystals. And you oh. get energy because okay, you're okay. Yeah, if Jared Cannonier does win this fight, I'm gonna have to buy into the whole. Uh, um, I don't yeah. even know what 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 is it? Astrology? Become, what is the fucking? It's yeah. you got to become more the earth, something like that. Okay. I don't know. We'll get you some crystals. I think yeah. you'll, you'll look good. With I'll do. I'll do that for sure. If uh, if Robert Whitaker wins, I want you to wear the. Uh, I want you to buy an Australian national soccer team jersey. And wear it on the next podcast. I look fucking amazing in that. So oh yeah, fine. you like that? That's I'm worth, I'm, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. Okay, all right. I'm also gonna need you to get a pet kangaroo. That might be a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Listen, where where are crystals sold? Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> point. All right, no, I'm, I'm right. with that though. I'm I'm on it. I'll uh if if Whitt- if if Cannoneer wins the next video you see on our Instagram I'll be sitting around I'll line them up I'll sit pretzel style in the middle of my room really be one get with the zen. earth get zen I and like we'll that we'll see you in the octagon in uh, two years two three yeah. years we'll then I'm gonna time. I'm gonna defend the belt sixteen times that's good it depends what the crystals say we gotta see what they say okay they speak to you they, they do they really have uh like Google Translate do they what do they how does that work dude I hope they say the right things. <laughs> on Saturday. I hope they whatever said that for Cannoneer. Whatever they say, I hope it's the right shit. <laughs> okay, we'll get to the uh, the final fight on this card. Amazing. Uh, one of the most anticipated fights in recent memory, I would say. Right, 100%. I think uh, you know, for myself, myself personally, uh, Usman Masvidal was one of the more hyped up fights that I've been looking forward to for a while. Yep. But uh, if you listen to what Dana White's been saying, this, this pay-per-view, Khabib versus Gaethje, is one of the more, if not the most anticipated pay-per-view of all time. Breaking records. Prime time in the Middle East. We talked about, we talked about that. Um, I think the other thing that really, uh, you know, is kind of driving this a little bit is Justin is unlike anyone that Khabib has faced before. Um, if you listen to a lot of fighters, uh, you know, giving their picks and talking about this fight, you know, they give Justin a much better chance than they've given anyone else in the past against Khabib. And I think that sort of, you know, we know how dominant Khabib is, but even that sort of thought in the back of your mind that's saying, 
you know, well, does Justin have a shot in here? Um, I think people are interested in that. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's 28-0. He's working towards his goal of, of 30-0. Um, and Justin's real. That's a real, real fight for Khabib. Um, so I'm not surprised by the excitement or, or, you know, how big this fight is tracking at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll uh... – I will right, we'll get into this once I, once we start it. But right now, the main event for the lightweight title, uh, you have Khabib Nurmagomedov at minus 340. Last time I had checked, I'm not sure where those lines have moved, uh, against the interim champion who does not want to be called the interim champion, Justin oh. Gaethje at Fuck plus me. 270. Yeah, before we get into that, what do you think of him just kind of, you know, throwing the belt around, doesn't want anything to do with it? Um, we saw it at the, the press Dustin, conference today. Dustin wore that shit proudly on his shoulder and got, you know, smoked. Yeah. Um, so I feel Justin on that one. Tony wasn't, was not the champion. He didn't win the belt off of Tony. Um, and also like, yeah, you want the guy to have like that chip on his shoulder. Like he ha- that he has not earned the title, right? He had an interim title fight, uh, for, for circumstances that had nothing to do with Gaethje. So I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the right mentality. Yeah, I would agree too. I, I like somebody who, he, you know, he knows that that's not the belt. He knows Khabib is the champion. Um, and he said what, at the press conference today, when he, for the pictures, he took it off. And I can see him mouthing it to, to Khabib. He was like, I want that one, bro. I want yeah. that one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, credit to him for, for having that awareness, you know, to know that, what he's really fighting for. Yeah. But uh, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, I've gone all favorites so far tonight. <laughs> um, but I did that because my big, you know, my, my big winner here tonight is going to be the dog, Justin Oof. Oof. Uh, Khabib is, has been a dominant, dominant champion for a long time. And it's mainly because, um, Khabib has fought Khabib style in all of his fights. He does not change it for who his opponent is. He does not make adjustments. He goes in there and he Khabib's, um, (laughs) (laughs) Gaethje is, he might get Khabib's, but I think he's the biggest question mark of all the fights that, you know, Khabib has, has, has come into, right. He knew he could, throw McGregor around. He knew he could throw Dustin around. Ally Quinta is an amazing, amazing wrestler. Uh, nowhere near, um, you know, the sheer athleticism, power, uh, striking acumen that Gaethje has. And this is by far uh, Khabib's biggest test. Um, this is also the fight where the most has sort of gone against uh, Khabib. Um Losing his father is probably, you know, I understand that it can be an incredible, incredible motivator, um, but it can also, you know, some, you lose something, right? A PCU sort of goes away there. Um, and so Especially I think- for him, who's also, you know, aside from being obviously his father, which is big enough as it is, yeah. he was his, it was his head coach, right? His also, coach. he was his, you know, everything from fighting he got from his father. Yeah, and this is, you know, he talks about father's plan, father's plan all the time. Um, I know Khabib is incredibly motivated coming into the fight, but let's talk about the flip side, right? We, we, we don't need to say anything more about Khabib. Everyone knows what, what he is. Let's talk about Justin Gaethje. Mm-hmm. I loved in the countdown how he kept talking about um, representing his country, uh, representing his country against Russia, mm-hmm. um, training with the, the American wrestlers, talking about um, – 
you know, retiring, uh, his mom being able to retire, talking about being able to travel with his parents for the first time. Like, this is just a mean American blooded motherfucker that has, has taken shots before in the cage. He's, he's, you know, dealt it out. Um, Khabib's going to come at him pretty hard, but he's had other guys, you know, put him on him in the past and uh, mauled him. Um, mauled Tony Ferguson. Mauled to a point yeah. you never Tony oh. look like that, shaking his head out at the end of that fight. Yeah, it was painful to watch. The sounds that were coming out, you know, out of that fight were ridiculous. Um, uh-huh. I think Gaethje is as tough a fight as Khabib has ever had. Um, I think Khabib is coming into this fight the most vulnerable he's ever been. And uh, very rarely do you get to see this 30-0 or this undefeated. We have, we've seen it in boxing, but mixed martial arts, like, this is a different game. Um, and Gaethje just seems – if he's going to lose it, it's going to be to Gaethje, in my opinion. And I'm going with Justin here. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. It seems like Gaethje really, you know, from the uh, everything with his parents, um, wanting to retire them early – from the motivation that he's got with the American versus Russian aspect. It seems like he's very much been able to motivate himself to like get up for this fight. And he knows exactly what he's fighting for and which I respect that. And I think that it's going to help him. And I I do think that this is Habib's uh, toughest match to date, but God, there's something about Khabib, man, where, you know, he gets in the ring there and it's just, he can execute his game plan so perfectly, no matter who he's going up against. You know, he's faced strikers in Connor and Barbosa. You know, he's faced grapplers before, Poirier to another striker. He's faced strikers that are world-class strikers like Gaethje is. And he's faced grapplers and, and wrestlers before. And it just seems to be the same result every time. Yeah. And you know, you hear these guys after the fight talking about what it was like to be in there with him. Yeah. And, you know, I was reading some quotes the other, the other day and like Barbosa or whoever it was talking about him. They're like, it feels like you're like in the ring against a light heavyweight when he's on top of you. He wrestled bears as a child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like this is, this is somebody, this guy is not normal. And, and the way that he's able to like, you know exactly what he's going to do and he's going to do it whether you like it or not and you cannot stop it okay um so let's let's play this fight out a little bit then um in the past two habib fights we've seen uh you know habib catch uh, catch connor a little bit on the feet but then get him to the ground essentially weigh on him until he tired out and then choked him out almost yeah. the same thing as as dustin Dustin, i don't think dustin uh you know, on the feet, I don't think Khabib was able to land anything too significant against Dustin, but it played out the same exact way. He imposed his will for a little bit. Dustin got tired and then ended the fight. Mm-hmm. Is, can you see that happening with Justin Gaethje? I don't think that this – and that's also why I give Justin as big of a shot as I do is because I don't think it's going to play out the way that we've seen Khabib – in the past couple fights. And I don't know how Khabib is going to deal with that. I think Justin's going to scramble much better. I don't see him like mauling. Do you know what I mean? Like Justin and Connor got mauled and I expected them to get mauled. I don't see yeah. H-E 
getting mauled. And I think that there's enough time that's going to be spent on the feet where Habib is going to take a shot that he may not have ever taken in the UFC before. And Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. second of doubt that comes in your mind, and I have no doubt that Justin is going to land that shot. And that's where, you know, he's never been under that kind of duress before. And I, if you're telling me that you think it's going to play out, like he's going to lay on him for four rounds and submit him, I got another thing coming for you. Well, that's why I think the biggest thing is that, you know, when you you talk about with the Poirier fights and the Connor fight, um, those guys have no, you know, wrestling, yeah, like skills, or they're not like uh, top line. They're sta- yeah, they're stand up f- strikers. Gaethje obviously has the wrestling background. You know, he doesn't use it very often because he's turned into a stand up fucking you know, striker. Knock your head off your body. But yes, yeah, so, <laughs> which works for him, which is good, and he might try that again on Saturday. Yeah. But it just it like so that's what's going to be interesting to me because I don't think well while you you say that uh, Justin's going to be able to catch Khabib with a with a strike or two and really you know wake him up a little bit I I think Khabib has no interest in standing up with with Justin he's going to try to just take him down every opportunity he can because he knows obviously that Justin is a world class striker and I think yeah. what the key to this is going to be is can Gaethje's wrestling hang with Khabib's uh, wrestling offense and his, and his ground and pound. If he can make him uncomfortable, get a couple takedown defenses and keep the fight upright, yeah. then, yeah, he might be able to catch him. But I just haven't seen enough of Gaethje, like, actually being on the ground to, like, be that confident in it. I know yeah. everyone says that he can do it, but how many times has it actually been implemented? Well, he's – I mean, Gaethje's going to be assaulted all night with, with uh, attempted takedowns. Um, yeah, and Khabib has said it before. If I don't get him on the first, I'm going to go for a second. If I don't yeah. get him on the second, I'm going to go for the third. So he's going to come at him all night. Um, but, you know, to get a takedown, you got to lower your head. you got to grab yeah. an ankle. you got to grab at a waist. And uh, Justin is a powerful dude. Um, and a lot of, you know, very, very uh, tough guys have felt that power. Tony Ferguson looked like a, uh, you know, a Furby when Justin Gaethje was done. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so let me tell you how I think it's going to play out. I think uh, Khabib's going to go for a takedown or two. I think there's going to be some scrambling. Um, I think he's going to have trouble. I think Khabib is going to uh, eventually be able to work his way on top. I think Justin will survive. Uh, I do think, you know, you know Khabib is going to spend some time on top and work the wrestling. Uh, but I do think, Justin's going to be able to make those adjustments. I see him catching him on the feet. Um, and I see this being a, if it, if it's going to go the full five rounds, Khabib's going to fi- find a way to win. I think Justin has to get the finish here. Um, I'm predicting a third or fourth round finish. Uh, you, think he, you think Khabib's going to get knocked out? I think Khabib is going to get hit harder than he ever has in his life. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for him to uh, reckon with the fact that <laughs> He can get his his uh you know his clock, did, uh, did rock like that. Did you think that Gaethje was a better striker than Connor before the Ferguson fight? Because Connor would have, I would have thought, if Connor terms, can't catch him, in terms of technical ability, no way. Um, not he's not a better striker than Connor in terms of uh who I would not want to get hit by. Justin Gaethje is not like that crazy like you know 
Iowa farmer coal miner. <laughs> he said he's, he's got coal mining in his generation. Yeah, his dad, his dad worked in the coal mines his whole life. Yeah, dude, it's, those are not the knuckles you want on you. I'll tell you that for mm-hmm. sure. Listen, I, I, I would like, you know, I would like to see Khabib get hit a little bit, you know, see what he can do, what he, how he reacts when he's getting yeah. hit like that. Cause he hasn't really been, you know, had his bell rung like that before. Yeah. Most of the fights go exactly according to his game plan. So if you get him a little bit uncomfortable, I think it would be an interesting thing to see how he responds. But I just have seen too much of Khabib doing exactly what he wants to do to have confidence going the other way. I, I just I, I don't know. And like I said, the one thing that stands out is going to be how Gaethje can defend the takedowns with his background in the wrestling world. But uh, I'm taking Khabib here. I'm going to take Khabib by decision. I think it's going to go similar to how the Poirier fight went, where it's just he's just on top of him the whole time. That's what he does. Yeah, I guess you're a traitor to your country, but that's okay. We talk about that. Khabib, Khabib's gonna Khabib, man. We've gone over oh, this. Justin, this is a, I. I like Khabib. I know that you fucking you don't you don't fuck with him. I like I, his whole I, demeanor. I like what he says. Everything he says in the interviews, talking about, he's just like about his business. You know, he's so he's so just like straightforward with what he wants and and what he says. Yeah. And I just, I, I think we've all, we've all just bought, we've all just decided to buy into Khabib is going to get to 30 no, and this is going to happen. And everyone, like, you know, we, uh, yes, I, all signs point <laughs> to that way. It's not <laughs> like we haven't seen the evidence. I get it. Um, I get it. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I think Justin's going to have his number. Um, I, he's the hardest thing that Khabib is ever going to have to put down. I don't see Justin Gaethje doesn't feel like a, put him away kind of guy. Um, and I think he's going to find an opportunity. I think he's going to take advantage of an opportunity. And I do not think we're going to see the road to 30. No, I think it ends on Saturday in the Middle East. All right. So then that would open the door for uh, Connor Poirier being a, uh, a number one contender fight. Both of those guys against Gaethje um, see the, the much more appealing, I guess, you know, those would be wars. Those would be wars. I think Gaethje beats both. Um, I would love to. Jeez, man. You're all in on Gaethje. He's a beast. He's a monster. Um, I think he gets revenge on Dustin. Um, And I also think him and Connor uh, have a fun fight. Mm -hmm. Fun fight. I I hope to see that fight in the future. Yeah. That'd be good. Listen, it's no secret that if – if Gaethje does come away with the victory, it opens up a lot of nice possibilities in the lightweight division in terms of title fights. Um, I still, like we said earlier, I still do think if Gaethje wins, then if Khabib wants it, he's entitled to, he'll get his rematch. Yeah. But um, if he does walk away, like you think he might, which I think is also a possibility, lightweight's going to get a lot more interesting. But uh, We're in for a fun night Saturday or a fun Fun afternoon. Fun Fun afternoon on a Saturday. So there you have it. I mean, we only agreed on one fight here. Yeah. Lauren Murphy. Lauren! (laughs) So there's a lot on the line here. Somebody's going to go up big in terms of our records. Someone uh, is going to go down down hard. Yeah. We'll see. But, dude, this was a lot of fun. The first episode of the Roundhouse Table. For sure. Thank you guys all for tuning in. If you've made it this far, we appreciate it. Uh, we will be doing this once a week. Uh, 
you know, every, you know, fight night, pay-per-view, anything that we feel like we need to jump in and, and talk about, we'll be here. And uh, welcome. We're here to stay. Let's do it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.